0: everyone i'm emily crow multimedia editor at progressive grocer welcome to top women in grocery a podcast focused on the trends topics and interests that move women forward in grocery retail we're spotlighting extraordinary women in the grocery industry who have had successful careers and interesting lives and who are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities today we're talking to jordan Schenk from flash food She was recently elevated to the role of Chief Customer Officer at the company and has hit the ground running in her new position. We're excited to have her here today to discuss FlashFood's new visual identity, the intersection of B2B and B2C, the art of a great deal, and more. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Emily.
0: Of course. Well, to start, I'm hoping you can tell us a bit about your career journey and how you landed at both
1: FlashFood and in your new role. Definitely. I have had a, I would say a really interesting path that landed me on the side of grocery. I definitely was not born into it. I did not start my career in, in it. Um, but I found myself here, I would say, just by way of passion in terms mm-hmm. of what interests me most Not only sort of in the world, you know, interesting problems to solve, but just by way of really amazing people that I get the chance to work with has sort of kept me going through it. Um, Mm -hmm. My earliest ambitions in my career, I actually had this big vision that I was going to go work um in finance doing M&A in China, which oh. netted me in a completely different path when I found myself in New York City and started to sort of run the route of um, consulting, uh, found myself in advertising, worked at a shop called Widen Kennedy for a while where I was doing some bigger strategic work for some of these Mondo CPG brands with, you know, mm-hmm. billion dollar global advertising budgets. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. Um, that sort of got me attracted in what happens with brands in the food space, I would say um, just in terms of like one, how many folks engage with these brands, but two, the impact they have on culture and how they can shift culture, change culture, essentially like your day starts and finishes with food. Um, yeah. Really, really interesting space. I then found myself leading um, marketing, consumer marketing, Sort of across the the map um, at Impossible Foods, you know, through developing the go to market strategy and just launching this product that essentially changed the way we all thought about plant based. Um, Absolutely. And then dabbled in being a founder myself, and then honestly found myself on the board of Flash Food for about six months until we had um, our CEO Nick join and the board and everyone sort of convinced me to, to come in and, you know, shoot another shot at trying to make a sort of global consumer movement. <laughs> so that, I mean, it's just been, it's been all, it's been bouncy as I'll get out, but it's always been sort of the through line of It's just, has always been my own passion and curiosity. Um, that's what I feel is the interconnected is the connectedness output and yeah. space may be different.
0: Right. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of that to look for in the food industry. Yeah. Well, you recently took on the newly created role of chief customer officer at Flash Food. What will that position entail and what do you hope to accomplish?
1: Yeah, it's so the way that we think about customer at Flash Food is twofold. We have Mm -hmm. what we call our shoppers, which are our consumers. You know, there's a consumer facing marketplace. We also have our retailers, which... You know, are the folks that are bringing in our product, putting food on the platform, um, sharing our stories, sharing mutual goals of um, eliminating food waste. And that that's that's sort of the gamut of like my core customers, if you will. Um, so what I do at the organization um, sort of spans that entire experience from the insights that we mine to the campaigns we put forward to the comms, the government relations. And I would say even, you know, the customer success side of it that runs all through it. It's it's truly having that entire ecosystem exist um, together. And so there's a lot of exciting things going on at any given point. I would say my team in and of itself holds the sort of voice and spirit of of our customers within within the work they, they do.
0: Great. And what does it mean to have that sort of customer centric role within a company that provides solutions to the retail industry? Like you said, the customer is twofold for you. So it must be interesting how that all is interconnected.
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, philosophically, I I've always looked at like B2B versus B2C um, mm-hmm. as in some ways one and of the same because we're all customers, we're all shoppers of brands, um, at the end of the day. And I think if I think back even to my time at impossible strategically, we weren't there, there's messaging that's nuanced, but the, I would sort of call it the position and the, the brand, the sentiment, the feel, field the experiences mm-hmm. is, is consistent between, between the two. Um, And I think you were, you were looking for, I mean, that's the philosophical way that I look at it. Um, What was sort of the other, the the other part of the question? Yeah. Just,
0: just how having that sort of role within a company that provides solutions for the retail industry, what that means.
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, specifically there's one side of it where when I'm having conversations with our retail partners, there's the piece where I know the data and, and the behavior that we're going to mm-hmm. see and expect from our, from our customers. And I think something, you know, more recently that's been really exciting to find out as we've sort of matched our data um, with without of data that we found in, in spaces like numerator is that we can actually mm-hmm. see, you know, when a retailer takes on flash food, um, not only is it an amazing solution for for your shrink, for waste, for your uh, sustainability goals, it's actually a traffic driver. So yeah. I what we were able to find in sort of matching that without you know data that's not just our own stated data is that for retailers that bring us in, customers that have either never shopped or infrequently shopped are now returning to the store um, 1.2 times more a month. And I think wow. that's been just, I mean, we sort of came to that insight um, end of year last year and that, again, there's that connectedness where I'm understanding consumer behavior, but it's actually translates into what could potentially drive results in ways that retailers can think about solutions like us in a different way, where it's this amazing benefit on one side of it, but it's also like, I don't know what camp like advertising campaign can say, that's the result that you're going to see when you bring it in. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's really cool about having it all in one place. Um, for, for the team, and I would say for myself as well, is that we're, we're thinking about it on both sides. And that's really how you have to think about solving this. I mean, we're expecting a new behavior, a new infrastructure on the retailer side. It's the same thing for the customer. And if you're yeah. not drawing that connection, you're not sort of moving it forward in a much more in-sync way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you also recently led Flash Food through the launch of a new brand, Visual Identity. I'm curious what you can tell us about that process and the goals behind that refresh.
1: Yeah. So that was on, it was like my day one sort of, I would say task or briefing was that there was a couple things that needed to happen. One, um, the visual identity needed to sort of take space in a more contemporary way and also a way visually that's in on par with how we want products and goods to show up Mm. um in retail the other part of it was how do we position the company for that exponential growth Um, because as we're seeing consumer trends around um you know leading with things around sustainability or climate impact are important but they're not necessarily driving the sale right like it's when you start to get further down the chain it, it helps with um, loyalty. It helps with repeat. It helps with sort of middle funnel um, work that needs to be done. The rebrand in and of itself was one of the faster rebrands I've done. And I would also say shoestring. I'll add that now, Um, Mm -hmm. which I, in all honesty, prefer things to move quick. To focus on what's important in terms of what you invest in. Uh, I often think that we can pull together some really interesting creativity with, with constraints. So we did all of that work to reposition it and um, then move forward with bringing in an external agency to do redo the creative refresh. We actually did the strategy, um, I would say partially in house. We worked with an amazing uh, brand strategist by the name of Stephen Ebert, who Um, just understands, I would say, the heart Mm -hmm. and soul of sort of these transformative moments that businesses go through um, to ultimately tee up the work with an agency we work with named Porta Rocha. Um, Mm -hmm. And we just, I mean, we had to stay relatively tight to to deadlines to make it happen. And I think what was, you know, really beautiful in the process where you are selecting the agency, um, we really focused on we had amazing talent that came forward and we just really focused on sort of that, I would almost say like a personal connection to the creative mm-hmm. groups. Um, You know, and a lot of times when I've done rebrands, you are always thinking about who's going to like the magnitude of results or the sort of fact that they've won awards and, and all of those things, which folks that we were looking at did. But we really focused on who cared about this, yeah. Um, who understands the sort of nuance of what we're trying to do you know i think we're a biz we're in the business of obviously helping our retailers find a solution to food that they would otherwise be throwing out or yellow stickering but we're also Mm -hmm. looking to build a consumer movement around how we think and frame our sort of brains around like what like what truly is food like when can i eat it what's good and it's you know i kept thinking through the whole process if vintage fashion has like had its grand return to that of like Gen Z and pretty much anyone I would say now, why wouldn't we think about food waste sort of not like in the context of that, like it's truly the Goldilocks window of something ready to eat Mm -hmm. and priced perfectly. Right. That just feels like interesting and special in the same way that we're sort of seeing some of these other circular trends emerge. Um, yeah, so we, we ran with it and we knew in the positioning that we wanted the business to bring this levity and this feeling of excitement and play and joy because that's what we bring into our retailers. Um, you know, our marketplace is a portal for them to take something that's often yeah. like not seen as positive and transform it into something that's interesting and exciting. And we were seeing on platform, you know, people buying 10 pounds of peppers for no foreseeable reason, but then they would convert it into pepper jam and go to their local church and hand out all of their pepper jam that they happened to get to make, where you'd hear stories of people who wanted to host a birthday party and they thought they could only buy one pie, but they were able to buy five pies for the price of one. So they were able to invite more friends and like that levity that happens in our experience, that sense of abundance is just, it's so beautiful. And that, I know that our retailers want to tell those stories. I know that customers are interested. Like that's a TikTok video waiting. Oh yeah. So like, how do we just create something that sparks that? Um, And that was, that was sort of really the brief and goal. And I think I've been just really proud to see um, sort of the shape of that come to life. Great.
0: I love that. Well, you and I talked about a bit previously, and you also mentioned how flash food sits at the intersection of, business to business and business c- to consumer because your clients or your customers are two different people, basically. How did that factor into the new visual identity and how do you navigate the differences between those two segments?
1: Definitely. I think the, the visual identity in and of itself, we wanted, there's definitely, a, I would say there's the wrapper of like, how do we make this you know, templatized and professional mm-hmm. on one end of it. And then there was the other side of it, which is like, how crazy can we go on right. talk and Instagram? Yeah. Um, so much of the identity is actually very intentional In and you'll see it come to life. And like on the consumer end, we're very UGC led. We're very focused on showing our consumers. We're actually very focused on showing our retailers too and telling those stories in a raw way. Our identity, we knew would stretch for that. Mm -hmm. In the same way that, you know, we were just at FMI last week and we had this sort of gorgeous promotional booth that was running, you know, information with stats. It looked incredibly clean. It looked, you know, well-polished. And so I think visually we can flex it. The biggest differences that we see just come down to messaging. And when we think about what sort of value propositions hit where, um, I think what's always been interesting in any value prop is that flash food, whether you're talking B to B or B to C sort of hits the win, win, win. It's just different pieces that go into sure. it. Like right. it's a win for your business. It's a win for your brand image. It's a win for your sustainability goals mm-hmm. for customers. It's a win for your yeah. wallet it's a win for your image and what you can share out in the world. And it's a win because you're doing something great for your community, for your planet, but you didn't really have to think about it that hard because we here right. to help you. Um, so there's a lot of mirroring in that. And it's just backfilling it with, with various statistics. I do think creatively, and this is, again, more to come as we bring more out in, some, in terms of some of our B2B campaigns, that creativity is not limited to either side. Yeah. Um, I think what oftentimes happens on the B two B side is we're like, save the creativity for the consumers. Right. Right.
0: Just do the bare bones and make it simple.
1: That's not um, the business that we're in at all. So we, you know, we came out of the the conference last week, and I was immediately thinking, like, if I had the booth next year, I would have that run as a pop up. Like, yes, we Mm would sell, but like, what interesting musical artist could I have like, yeah. how, like, how can I make this feel like how, you know, we would sort of, and again, in the consumer good space, you get a little bit flashier, but how do I get inspired by some of those folks that are creating those experiences mm-hmm. um for people that are sort of on either side? Because again, like we're all customers. We all know, right. we all, some of us like to wear Nike. Some of us wear, you know, on, like we all mm-hmm. consume brands, like, Yeah. So that's, again, there's much more to be developed there, but I'm actually excited to see, I'm very excited to see the creativity that we'll bring to some more of those industry centric things. Cause that, that's the stuff that actually gets me excited. I'm like, how can I make you leave this moment or like see this piece of creative on LinkedIn that you're like, wow, that actually stood out versus like, you know, you're just running your sort of usual. Yeah stats around selling or retention what have you um, which we would absolutely do but there's sure (laughs) yeah there's just there's a lot of ways to
0: play right there could there can be more to it I think that's something I I hear a lot is that we are all consumers so we like to be sold to just as a consumer would even if we're on the b2b side I think that's really interesting right well something else that you mentioned earlier um you know in terms of you know vintage being back and everything. One aspect of Flash Foods' value proposition for consumers is the ability to get a great deal. How are you and the company working to reinvigorate the beauty of a deal and sort of capturing that audience that is looking to get a great deal?
1: Totally. I so I'm I'm very passionate about making deals something of mm-hmm. interest. I think that over time deal is like, it's twofold. Like in some places it's like a bit of a deal is like a dirty word. Like don't shop a deal uh, because it's not perceived as premium. And then in other communities, it's like the golden goose. Like why would you not shop a deal? And I think that there's a ton of space. And I think about some of like, if you remember like the early days of like when Walmart sort of first came out with some really interesting play, creativity, language around that. Like I remember that moment when you know, like the little smiley face would run around the store. Oh, yeah. And like, if you also remember like deals were at one point blue light specials, like mm-hmm. if you remember that sort of like light, like this, these very yeah. like vintage They moments, would change the
0: pricing and everything. Yeah. Where it
1: was exhilarating and exciting. Mm-hmm. And for some reason we sort of like, as a society have kind of like shifted away from, from how magical that can be. And I think that, what you're finding is probably a lot of brands are trying to figure out like, what does that, how do I manifest that in mm-hmm. culture that doesn't like cheapen my brand? I would hear that a lot right. when I was on the bigger side of advertising, working with retailers in fashion, it would always be the question of like, how do we run a deal? How frequently can we, but we can't have it cheapen the perception of mm-hmm. quality. Um, good thing is, is I've, had done that time and time again for fashion retailers. So now it's like looking at grocery again and saying, how can I make this feel as, you know, attractive? And so we've got a ton of cool things coming out. I mean, in terms of like how we mobilize that um, on social media. And I think a lot of it is just not being afraid to play and to like play into the kind of campiness that it can be, which is like really cool. Like that's actually seen as cool Um, and letting people be proud of it. And I think... What we often find is we don't give space for people to be like, I, because I shopped a deal, I filled my, I mean, we have a lot of people who will like fill their really cool, like sellers that they've straight up made like canning goods. And I'm just like, that's, that is so cool. Like that that's is like so cool. so cool for content. Like tell us how you do that. Yeah. um And the same way that you hear folks come on and they're like, i got a family of six. I bought these things on flash food. I was able to, create like a taco soup that fed my family of six for $17 for like three days. And I'm like, you you can take a meal and create like a really beautiful, good meal and do that. Like that is just like, that's stories to be told. So I get, again, that's like the outcome of a deal is so beautiful. Or if you fixed your roof, you fixed your car, Mm -hmm. like let's celebrate it. Yeah. Um, So there's, there's so much more that's like coming. And I know we're just like we're not even a week out from our rebrand, and I can like see the content stream. I don't want to, like, Wonderful. I can't share all the work before it comes right. out because I'll get in trouble, I think. But <laughs> yeah, folks, more to come. To see more to come.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of what's upcoming with everything going on at Flash Food and even in the grocery industry as a whole, what else are you looking forward to most in the coming year?
1: I look forward to, I mean, we're. We'll be turning on new markets, so it always mm. gets me really excited as we uh, as we show up in new places. And, you know, we know in, in our world, regionality is so – it's such a reality. And I think that I get excited from a customer standpoint to sort of learn and explore new customers on either side. Mm. So there's a lot – I mean, there's just, like, physically showing up. We move into launch yeah. mode again this year, and launch mode is just <laughs> – it's always funny because you – Sort of at a start up the stage, everyone's like, "What's your sort of cyclical campaign?" And I'm like, "Launch," right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got a couple of like really good calendar, meaty calendar moments, mm-hmm. but like we're we're sort of moving on on that um, on that front. We'll have some of our first sort of campaign work as a brand come out this year, which is I always think of as huge moments for for businesses when you're doing absolutely sort of that collective storytelling. In a really special way. Um, what else? We've got a really cool study coming for our impact report. Really digging into food insecurity and what some new fresh data looks like there. Um, how solutions and ways can solve that uh, mm-hmm. without like fully alluding to it, like four times over in terms of like what that can look like. Um, yeah. So those are, I mean, those are things that I get really, you know, I get really excited about. Um, and so much more. I mean, I could just go through my list. I was like, I'm just doing. just like pull up my yeah. tasks. <laughs> <laughs> like, Here, like, Here are yeah. We have a lot of, yeah. and then I was at like, the other part of it, is we're doing some really cool stuff around, um, around our product itself this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that also sits within my organization is the sort of the, des- the design and UX side of our product. So we're looking at that, studying that in new ways and, you know, hopefully coming forward with some some really special rollouts to just make that customer experience on the tech side so much richer on both for both products.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah very cool. So more to come. More to come it's,
1: we're in, I, immedi- I immediately changed my Slack status to be like back in building because I was traveling for two weeks and it's just yeah. like this constant mode of building and creating. And it's for me that it's like the, it's the most fun place to be. It's also scary. I think for some it's like sure. completely ambiguous and you're sort of like making all of this out of like seemingly nothing that's there, but it's just, that's, that's what I love. And I think yeah. that, um, talk to me in like 24 months and ask me how tired <laughs> I am by the end of it. Yes. But that's, what, <laughs> that's, that's the fun part. And I think yeah. people feel it. I was excited coming out of last week with the rebrand. People were like, mm-hmm. whoa, like. That's that feel. That's a totally different feel.
0: And I'm like, just, just wait. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're in the right place as far as all of the new things happening and your excitement for it. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, finally, I'm hoping you can share some advice with other women out there looking to sort of climb the corporate ladder or get ahead in their careers. You've been, you know, in lots of different iterations
1: of your career. So I'm just curious what you can share. Yeah. I think that don't, the biggest thing for me has always been, how do I let my passion drive Mm -hmm. what I ultimately sort of want to do? And that in many ways has, has bared fruit in terms of like what roles and responsibilities I have. But I, I would say, you know, you'd put me in a room and you could have me talk about metrics or this program. But if you see, like if you can feel the excitement and the passion from someone that oftentimes really helps sort of mobilize um, how you move throughout your career, that's really important. It's actually easier said than done because oftentimes things that we're passionate about could be completely different to what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. And I have been in a number of situations where I have taken like really sort of seemingly uncalculated and messy risks to do something Mm -hmm. that you know puts your everything that you've built in this one area sort of on the line or like you have to network into this whole other area and I've been in a lot of those situations where it's like the first wave is like fear but then as I've sort of moved through it it actually creates that like really special flywheel of like getting to a point where you're deeply passionate about what you're doing you're in a really amazing role whether it's leadership or as a contributor Mm -hmm. you feel like that role is not going to burn you out because you're so passionate about what you're doing it just continues to fuel it and I think that's what's been helpful and I think I told you before we chatted like I've had the benefit of context switching. And I think context switching, you know, having, I've been on the advertiser side, right? Mm -hmm. Like big giant thinking I've been on the sort of call it venture consultative. Like (laughs) I went in and launched a CPG. I went in and started my own business. I came back onto the tech service, like tech service side, Mm -hmm. Um, which again, like if you put it all in that sort of isolation seems completely chaotic but when it manifests it's in service of each other and it's always finding a way to do it so I think it's important to do that um at least it's been important for my journey and it's it's helped me sort of get to where I am and yeah yeah as my team would tell you never they always – it says to me, like, Jordan's best in a crisis because she's just, like, cool as a cucumber." And I was like, it's yeah. because I've literally seen it all from all sides of it. Um yeah. And what I've always seen is that, you know, the, the sort of good outcome always wins in the sort of face mm-hmm. of, like, a challenge or fear. It's just about sort of the energy you put into it. For whatever yeah. reason, the universe will always help you along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like yeah. we were talking about earlier. You know, we're women. We do it. We just – we get it done that's what we do
1: we just get it done we're just you know and we look at that it's like when you have kids you're like yeah oh you just broke that entire really <laughs> expensive thing over there uh-huh. well, you know uh-huh. what are we gonna do what are we gonna do about it right <laughs> we're, gonna, yep. Let's we're just gonna move on we're gonna move we're gonna sweep it up we're gonna try yep. to sweep it up together but if it's class maybe i'll do it and then <laughs> we'll just learn not to put expensive breakable things that low. Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, We figure it out. We do. Wonderful. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your insights
1: and for being here with us today. Of course. This is really fun. And um, I'm always open, you know, for folks listening. If, you know, I've I've got a LinkedIn, if you want to reach out to me, ask questions. I actually really do my best to respond to everyone that I get to as, as long as it's not like some cold call, like right. <laughs> <laughs> somehow you got my number, SAS sort of thing. Um, yep. But not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just, you know, it's there. Um, yep. But yeah, for folks that want to reach out to me, i happy to like always spitball or pump up or think through stuff. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, of
0: course. For more information about the Top Women in Grocery podcast, please visit www.progressivegrocer.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to the series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And if you have any ideas for a Twig podcast topic, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at ecrow at ensembleiq.com. See you next time. And thanks for listening.